I'm constantly changing because of the research and the things that I'm seeing, you know, I adapt for sure, but I have just seen so many kids being so confused because of too much choice. Even with the gender studies, I have a real hard time with the gender studies and sex ed because it's not, there are people that identify as this, this, and this, and this. It is, you can be anything you want to be. You know, it's not an, uh, we need to respect everybody because everybody's unique and crazy and weird in their own way. It doesn't matter how that presents. They can, you know, like gender is like one of a billion ways that people can be unique. Let's be respectful. Instead, it's like, you can do what you want. Like, oh, I, I mean, now I have a choice. Okay, well, it's like you've got like a choice of water or like 50 different flavors of, you know, whatever drink. It's very difficult to move through life. As a young mother, I experienced a paradigm shift that transformed how I saw education and ultimately the world around me. I started this podcast, The Luminous Mind, to connect with and learn from people who are disrupting the status quo in how they learn, educate, and live in the world around them. Prepare for a paradigm shift. Light a candle. Light your world. Benjamin Franklin said, instead of cursing the darkness, light a candle. You're listening to The Luminous Mind with your host, Rebecca Bowman. This is the rest of our conversation with Emily Godrow, episode 259 in helping to depornify the youth culture. This information that we discuss with Emily Godrow is very sexually sensitive. If you have small children in the room, I would recommend that you wait to listen to this podcast at a time when you can be without little children in the room and when you're able and ready to discuss these topics with them. Today's Firestarter is Emily Godreau. Emily, a former Playboy photographer, is now an anti-porn activist and a sexual abuse prevention educator. She is a woman on a mission to stop the cycle of sexual trauma and opening our eyes to the high price we're paying for a pornified culture. Emily is the host of the How to Raise a Maverick podcast. The conversation is like, remember how we talked about stalking, luring, and mimicking? Like people can be predators too. And then you can legit take them to Cabela's or Bass Pro Shop and be like, look it, this is how humans are hunting. They're stalking, luring, and mimicking animals here. Like people also hurt other people sometimes. And then when they go online, stalking, luring, and mimicking is somebody pretending to be something they're not. Do they have the ability to stalk you? Are you giving too much information? Are they luring? Do they have something you want? Are they trying to lure you into something? I love that because, yeah. well, I think what made it, I mean, we're talking about those fifth grade narration, I'm hoping I'm saying that right, but yeah. uh, videos that we all watch and how uncomfortable that was because it was just like thrown at us at a time that was like, uh, where did that come from? And I remember, I remember one time my mom wanted to, you know, have a discussion with me about the sex and it was just so like, it was almost so formal and whatever that it felt just weird and it makes you, you know, you feel weird and because... I don't know, it just comes up at just odd times. But if you're already 
like building that relationship and making those connections for kids that maybe it will feel more natural and less like creepy. Does that make yeah. sense? Oh, oh yeah, totally. And it's also about asking questions to, or, or just, you know, having observations, you know, this kind of this discovery into our world and like, you know, and being honest, you know, sometimes we'll like, we'll go to the mall and there's the Victoria's Secret, like huge wall of a woman, you know, in her underwear and my daughter's staring at it. And I'm like, isn't it hard to look away? It's so hard to look away at people who don't have their clothes on, no matter where you're at. Like the naked person is going to get the attention. Isn't that interesting? We're wired to look at other people, especially if they're behaving in a way that's not normal or socially mm -hmm. acceptable. If that was an actual person in their underwear, they would be arrested. That's interesting. But potentially. Yeah. I mean, maybe not, yeah. arrested, but like, it, I mean, there would be um, some serious questions being asked about why this woman is in lingerie standing in the mall. That would not be acceptable. <laughs> Right. Well, I think it's interesting too, like if you have honest conversations and like you say, your daughter is staring at the Victoria's Secrets model, like, you know, our world anymore, if our daughter is staring at another female, we might go, oh, well, maybe she's lesbian. I mean, you know what I mean? Like right. we're taking uh -huh. it a step further, but I think what you're saying is that it's all of us, no matter what sexual orientation we are, that we happen to be, like we may get sexually aroused at something that you know, like I said, another woman, you know, looking at another woman or looking, right. you know, and it has really nothing to do with, oh, I'm, I must be a lesbian. It's more like. But this is, them. this is what is so scary about right now and why I'm, you know, legit fighting really hard to have sex education, just go back to some basic, basic biology style of education is because when we talk about kids and being bi and this or whatever, we are projecting our sexuality onto them. Not that we are those things, but those are adult things. You know, for kids that were like, oh, she's, she's, looking, she's looking at a woman, she must be le lesbian. Now, when the LGBT plus community really started their work trying to prevent discrimination, to get health rights, all this stuff, that labeling is crucial. It's absolutely crucial. Because it gives them rights, right? Like yes, that's what you're saying. need to be defined that I cannot be discriminated against because of this. So you could have, like, they're constantly adding things onto it because they're constantly getting pushed back, you know? So that is the purpose of that labeling. And How to Raise a Maverick is all about the lack of labeling. So Samuel E. Maverick was like the original Maverick and he was a rancher. He had cows that he wouldn't brand. So his whole deal was like, if you find a cow that doesn't have a brand on it, it's mine. So that's, that's interesting. What, <laughs> yeah, so that's what, that's what a Maverick is, is an unbranded cow. That's what we need to have our kids going out as being unbranded. You know, like you can, you can look at, at women and you can do these things and you're just a human being. You're just a human being and this like, well, are you queer? Are you trans? Are you cisgender or whatever? Wait, wait, those are political ideations, you know, or labels to prevent discrimination. You know, these kids are having, they're going through and it's like they're being put into, they're limiting the human experience and human exploration by saying, this is who I am. And now I'm going to wear this and I'm going to do that because that's what people like this do. 
That's interesting. And, and we see that all over. I mean, it's so hard not to yeah. like, Oh, like it, we, we put our own sexuality onto them. Yeah. I look at nude women and I'm like, dang, like I want my butt to look like that. You know, <laughs> um, you know what I mean? It's, it's like what's going on in their mind or, you know, is, is often not what we think. Yeah. Well, and, and that's interesting. Like, let's move on to that paradigm. You know, how do you feel like your paradigm has changed over time and with experience about sex education that works in, you know, for better education and health and even happiness for kids? I mean, I feel like what, what we were just talking about that maybe we're pushing kids too young to accept a label is almost causing a lot of unhappiness about yeah. who they are. Yeah, so I I think what's what's happened over time is the realization that so often we just need to let kids work it out, um, and let I, I think that um, we we think that we're so much smarter and so much wiser and so much more woke, and you don't need to teach your kids how to behave sexually other than consent because they're going to figure it out. You know, um, I think we just need to have a little bit more of a hands-off approach to our kids and trust their internal wisdom and just let them be who they are. That's the, you know, and I'm constantly changing because of the research and the things that I'm seeing, you know, I, I adapt for sure, but I have just seen so many kids being, so confused because of too much choice. Yeah. You know, like even with the gender studies, I have a real hard time with the gender studies in sex ed because it's not, there are people that identify as this, this, and this, and this. It is, you can be anything you want to be. You know, it's not, an, uh, we need to respect everybody because everybody's unique and crazy and weird in their own way. It doesn't matter how that presents. They can, you know, like gender, gender is like one of a billion ways that people can be unique. Let's be respectful. Instead, it's like, you can do what you want. Like, oh, I, I mean, now I have a choice. Okay, well, you know, if it's like you've got like a choice of water or like 50 different flavors of, you know, whatever drink, it's very difficult to move through life. Just yeah. kids are going to find it. If they're going to be transgender, they're going to be transgender. You don't need to worry about that. You don't need to offer that to them. You just or need to make or sure label that, them with that, right? Yes. Just, we just need to make sure that people don't get bullied and, you know, killed and stuff like that. That's our, that's our only worry. That's interesting. So I'd like to know, I'm like a constructive way to parent. I mean, you already mentioned like you locked down your phones like crazy mm -hmm. different. And so, you know, I'm kind of, I'm trying to move into this whole unschooling thing. If you followed any of my yeah. podcasts, I'm huge into education. And so, you know, I, I'm kind of like, okay, we want to offer our kids choices and whatever and kind of help them work through that. So I haven't locked down anything because I would rather they find it then it's something to talk about even though the kid may be like there's sometimes like we almost have to catch them <laughs> you know what I mean yeah, yeah. they're not going to come forward and say oh yeah I've been watching you know whatever yeah, yeah. because you know 
it's an uncomfortable topic maybe to talk about with your parents, but what are like constructive ways to parent? We've already talked about free range parenting and all that stuff, but on this topic, especially, what, how do you yeah, feel like? I totally want to dive in with you if you're willing on like not locking things down. Yeah. Well, it, cool? yeah. And, <laughs> and maybe that's because, you know, I, I watched like the Duggar kid, for instance, like his parents had everything locked down so much and they never really talked about sex stuff, even though there's stuff going on, obviously with the sister and sisters. Mm-hmm. And so I don't know if you've watched any of that kind of stuff, mm-hmm. but, but I almost feel like, like if we lock it down too much and our kids don't naturally learn how to be responsible with their technology, like when they're an adult, it might be harder for them to manage. Does that make sense? Like, yeah. and so, but, but it's, it's bit us in the butt a lot, you know, I'm, like I said, I mean, it's not like we haven't had problems with our kids you know, looking or seeing stuff or whatever. And so so here's the, here's the biggest thing that I would say about it is it's a child's brain. And this is like honest, I mean, under, let's just say under the age of 18, because that's the legal, but I'd say like under the age of 25 or what, I mean, there's no way you're going to control your kid. (laughs) Literally doesn't have the personal experience to process what they're consuming. I mean, think of consumption of anything in regards to kids, like alcohol is not good for their kidneys and liver, and they just don't process it the same way. They are not at all anywhere near the physical and mental form of an adult. And the number one thing about digital content is once it goes in your mind, it does not ever come out. Like you cannot detox. Yeah, you can draw on that for the rest of your life. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I, I know, like I've seen stuff that I will have for the rest of my life. There's not a doubt in my mind. I mean, I remember the first like piece of pornography I saw. Absolutely. Um, Especially stuff so jarring, you know, like that. I mean, it yeah. stays in there forever. Yeah. Okay. And I think what you allow, you condone. So it's, it's one of those things. And like you, you've got kids that are over the age of 12. So everybody needs to know that over the age of 12, your kids are getting past your parental controls anyways. Yeah. So the conversations need to be real. Like okay. you need to, you need to really start digging in around the age of 12 for sure. Cause it's, it's almost a guarantee. Somebody else show it to them. I mean, we've dealt with that, you know, yeah. everybody has, I'm sure everybody, if you haven't at some point, you're going to be dealing with this. It's just a, it's just a parental fact. But creating a stance of this is unhealthy and, you know, with access to pornography, um, pornography in itself is consuming pornography fuels sex trafficking. A lot of the kids that end up in that are trafficked were used in films before because they film them and create pornography and sell that pornography before they're physically damaged to where they're not good for pornography anymore. So whether or not somebody is there consensually or not is a big unknown. You know, are they there because of a drug addiction? Do they have is somebody like holding a gun to their head, you know, just outside a frame? There's so many stories and there's so, there is some ethical porn that's out there, but that's not what the kids are watching. You know, that's they're interesting. Taking, they're not pulling their credit card out to watch quality ethical porn. That's true. <laughs> like yeah. if, if the person is being paid for it, it's a much different, and then they're going to charge. And then that's yeah, actually the worst, that's, of the worst is the free stuff. Okay. That's you interesting. Know? Yeah. And as, as far as, you know, girls watch a lot of pornography, a lot of people 
don't think of it that way. They always think of pornography as being a male boy issue. That's not the case at all. And like 80% of the pornography online is degrading, like not even degrading. It's like pure violence towards women. And having that accessible day and night inside of your home is like literally pumping poison. And, and it's addictive. That's the other part of pornography yeah. is it's wildly addictive. So having the kids being able to ask questions is awesome, but they're probably not going to ask you about the stuff that they really need to. Yeah. You know, I mean, I, I would be embarrassed even doing what I do to talk about some of the stuff I've seen. Yeah. Well, and we, it's been kind of coupled with like, like you said, I, I started at a really young age and teaching them, I didn't tell them about the vulva or, you know, my daughter about that. <laughs> I mean, obviously, I mean, honestly, I never really learned about that kind of stuff either. So I, know, right? I don't even know my own body, but anyway, but um, I've kind of done that through their whole life. Like when they were little and then we would take baths, we would talk about like, you know, what's okay for some, even their grandparents, like, your grandma or whatever is not supposed to touch mm-hmm. these yeah, good. Yeah. parts and stuff like that. And then we've been talking with them. We have a, it's called wieners and Watsits. And whenever there's a slight <laughs> bit of question about anything, we, Hey, let's have a wieners and Watsits conversation. Oh, cool. Just kind of making it light. But at the same time, it's, it's kind of trying to keep that conversation going. And we've talked a lot about porn and how that's, it's addictive, how it can ruin your, your future relationships because, you know, it puts sex in a, in like a, a skewed realm because sex isn't really like what you see on the screen or on, you know, the computer. But then, like I said, of course, we had problems with it too, because even though we've kept stuff open and I always was like, well, they're going to see it anyway. And you know what I mean? Like we're trying to make it so that they were better at, you know, being able to monitor themselves. Yeah. Well, you know, one of my first like exposures to like violent online pornography, I was absolutely not looking for anything. That's the biggest part. That's another misconception about pornography and, you know, the stuff online that we'd prefer our kids not engage in is it is looking for them. Yeah. It's not, you know, everybody's like, oh, my kid's a good kid. I'm like, for sure, for sure your kid's a good kid. And they're still going to be exposed to the stuff that you don't want them to. And they're for sure not going to be able to look away because it's hard. Like it's really difficult to look away from some of this stuff. And are they going to be curious and dig in more once they see it? You better believe it. Good kids. It's got nothing to do with it at all. I mean, yeah. Like well, and we've that. used the Bible thing, you know, of like be like Joseph where he runs away from it. <laughs> not like David where he sits and looks, <laughs> you know, type of thing. I don't know. It's kind of cheesy, but, you know, trying to instill that, but it still does create, you know, like you said. Well, here's here's another, another way. Um, and I'm only, I'm only used like doing this with you because I know a lot, a lot of people have the same views and I think it's a decent conversation, but pornography that one of the biggest things I deal with right now, this is like hours and hours and hours every day. I'm on the phone coaching parents through kids that have watched pornography at home or on their devices and then acted out on other kids. Yeah. Yeah. And then we've got kids who are like around the age of seven. I mean, there are kids as low as the age of seven on the sex offender registry. Um, So we have Kids being, as far as I'm concerned, being exposed to pornography should be treated like they were sexually abused. 
Um, okay, that's interesting. There needs to be that level of care and processing of the information so it doesn't become a formative moment. So you have kids that were abused from watching it and abusing other kids, and then those kids are being put on the sex offender list. It is a disaster. It is one of the biggest kind of underground problems that we have right now. It, I mean, using the word epidemic now is a little skewed, but it, as far as I'm concerned, it's it's crazy. And you have... I have to try and protect everybody because I'm like, all right, I just want to make sure that this kid doesn't get put on the sex offender list. Yeah. Because that is, it's a life sentence. They will never be taken off of it. They, you know, they can't even go into homeless shelters. 70% of the time they'll be fired from their jobs. You know, it's, it's awful. Yeah. It's terrible. The sex offender list is like one of my least favorite ways to deal with all of this. Yeah. Um, I, and I've seen it destroy young kids' lives where even even if it's not a, a hardcore porn thing that they're acting out on somebody, they open up like uh, I know of a, an instance where a kid was going to school with girls that were younger and had a relationship with them. And then the yeah. parents turn them in. And, and then now he is like forever locked as this, you know, sex offender when it really wasn't. I mean, it was all consensual. It was just like kids that are underage and then, you know, he gets in trouble because he happens to be above 18 type of yep. thing. So um, there's also, I mean, even I have a friend of mine, she's this crazy pagan witch and she <laughs> on a full moon, she stripped down naked and ran into a um, golf course pond pool. And I'm like, why are you doing that in the first place? It's full of chemicals and <laughs> That's interesting. You've got herbs hanging all over your house. Anyways, she got arrested and she's a sex offender now. Wow. <laughs> and you know what? Everybody talk to your boys, especially about peeing at concerts. Oh, you know, you're okay. waiting for your Uber or whatever. It happens all the time. You get charged. You know, Even if nobody sees that but knows that you've yeah. peed in public? Okay. Yeah. I mean, you're like, that's the problem with it is those are the people who are also like grouped in on the website. People go and they're like, oh my gosh, I have all these sexual offenders. And I'm like, have you ever skinny dipped? Have you ever peed outside of a concert when you were waiting for your Uber down the alley or whatever? Like those are some of the offenses, you know, some of these kids play doctor, like legit doctor, like we all played, like everybody and they're on the registry. Wow. It's yeah it's like the wild west and it's not cool and it's a complete misuse of what it was meant to do. Hmm. That's interesting. Well, I'd like to talk more about, I mean, I think we're kind of headed in that way, but gender, as far as porn goes, I mean, we all have this and we've mentioned it several times before, like girls, um, we have this idea that they're kind of saintly and they're not going to look at something like that. And you're saying that girls, I guess I'd like to know how to parent like a girl so that you mentioned those, there's two types of girls, you know, there's, there's one that goes one direction of hypersexuality so that she can get the guy that way. And then there's the other girl that like cuts her hair and she's, you know, she turns very masculine and all that kind of stuff. Like how can we properly parent where we put, you know, sex and gender and all of that stuff in the right place, do you think? Yeah. So, I mean, a lot, a lot of the, um, the girls who kind of hypersexualizing themselves or like under sexualizing themselves, it has a direct uh, correlation. Um, kind of mirroring sexual abuse. If they have been watching pornography, it's very similar in the way they're, they are processing it. 
Um, so when we talk about girls watching um, or how to constructively raise them in this environment, and I'm like saying that it, like this is pretty heavy stuff, but the reality is all our kids are going to see it at some point. And again, everybody thinks it's a male issue. So with the girls, they need to understand as it's age appropriate, of course, that what is going on in pornography is abusive against women. Yeah. Um, and when, you know, at a younger age, I would say, um, one of the best things you can do to help girls, you know, combat that feeling of like, I need to look like I'm ready for sex in order to be liked or understood is to involve them in any kind of sports. And I am not a sports person at all. <laughs> I mean, this is, yeah, like, like team sports, like I does not play well with others. Like I, that's not me. <laughs> But for them to feel like their body is more than something to look at and to be used by others is crucial. So, you know, you've got like, we were talking about dance or any, even, you know, my goddaughter had a moment when she was on kind of, not, not, it wasn't like an outward bound, but it was like a, a school trip where they were like carrying kayaks. And it was like, she said for the, it was a pivotal moment where her body was just this cool thing that was helping her experience life further rather than just something to look at and to be used wow. by others. Well, and I have another question to kind of go off that. What if you have a, a girl who has looked at porn and then does dance? Because then they might correlate the, I mean, that's pretty blunt to say, okay, a person, a person who's viewed porn, a child is basically... We need to treat them like they've been sexually abused. Mm -hmm. I mean, do, have you ever seen problems like that where a girl might become really uncomfortable with dancing because, because of porn? I mean, she's been basically somewhat sexually abused and then she becomes uncomfortable with who, you know, what, I don't know. She starts looking at her body more sexually than, does that make sense? Like, Oh yeah, yeah, totally. Um, what would we do with a girl that is like doing dance and they have been exposed or anything like that? I think um, when I say to treat a child as if they have been abused, the no what would be like the number one thing you would do if you knew your child had been sexually abused? What, was, what would be the first thing you'd do? Well, if, I mean, <laughs> somebody had sexually abused her, I'd definitely go after the abuser <laughs> first. But, right, right. you know, on top of that, maybe uh, get counseling or something yeah. that, okay. Yeah. So you bring in the experts. Okay. And you give them a place for them to process the information. And the, one of the things that um, uh, a lot of parents have a, have a hard time with is the fact that they're like, oh, but if we bring it up, you know, we don't want to bring it up again. And, or the child even doesn't want to bring it up again. It seems like, I don't know. Like, right, right. Mm -hmm. But it's, it's there. Yeah, it's it has to. It's like it's got to be. It absolutely was one hundred percent has to be dealt with. And if they have seen uh, violent pornography, which is the only thing that's available right now, um, like for free, basically, yeah. yeah, yeah, for yeah, exactly. You could probably pay for some good stuff, but it's not accessible to the kids. The only stuff that's accessible to kids is like the bottom of like the cesspool pit of the world porn. Um, I mean, I'm sure you could go worse, but, um, 
Yeah, you <laughs> worse. You How can it get any worse? <laughs> I'm just kidding. Yeah. Um, <laughs> That's a movie quote. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like don't don't tempt don't tempt the universe right now. Yeah, they need they need to get that. Uh, they need tools on how to if those images and those thoughts are going to start circulating, and they need to know how to be able to talk about it, how to stop the thoughts, how to process what they saw, and how how they relate to that. Yeah. So just like, what would you do if they were sexually abused? You would create a super supportive environment. You would get them professional help, like a space for now and always to be able to talk about stuff that's come up. You know, if you're in a, if you create a relationship with a therapist where you don't have to keep going and like retelling your story, you know, you can go in and say, Hey, this happened and it was triggering for me. And so my history, I was drugged and raped in high school. It wasn't until two years ago that I was actually able to go, Oh, wait, Whoa, that, that, not that it was like not in my memory. I totally knew that it happened, but I had never identified it as rape. So as your kids develop their experiences and they're going to have their first relationships, they haven't, that's the problem with all of this. They haven't even had physical relationships themselves. These are their first relationships. Wow. You know, that's the, yeah. that's the deep, sad part of this is that's their formative. That's their first kiss. Wow. That's, <laughs> yeah. that puts it really blunt. I mean, yeah, mm-hmm. it's, in, it's intense, yeah. but it's, it's what well, everybody, everybody out there, I don't want anybody to be like, oh my gosh, no, we are all dealing with this. This is all of us. This is yeah. me. This is in my house. This is in our family. This is with our friends and like nobody, nobody's like being seen immune to it. Yeah. yeah. Exactly. That's interesting. Well, um, I'm trying to think where to go now. I would love to hear, I think you've helped us learn so much about like maybe some, you know, positive uh, ways that we can talk about sex education as well as how damaging maybe porn can be. But I'd love to hear more about like your message and what you can find on, you know, how to raise a maverick and like what's your mission and what are you helping people and parents and um, do, I guess. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Leaders so my, do. <laughs> yeah. So I have the podcast, how to raise a maverick and I'm actually spending more time on other people's podcasts these days. Um, trying to reach some new audience. How to raise a maverick is really an overall parenting podcast um, with my sneaky, because I'm like, nobody's going to like go, I want to listen to a sex abuse prevention podcast and talk and like hear about pornography. Like the people who will seek that out are probably the not, not the people who need to hear what I have to say. So How to Raise a Maverick is like, we're going to talk about all things parenting and then I'm going to sneakily interject what I think you need to know about all this abuse prevention stuff. Um, That's so interesting. That, I know, I know. So now that you all know that, that was <laughs> the whole purpose behind, behind that. And then um, also to, you know, really get experts on stuff that I didn't know about to talk to me. <laughs> You know, parenting's hard. Parenting's hard. I'm like, can I just talk to professionals for an hour on my podcast? Awesome. Let's do it. <laughs> um, yeah. And then I, I teach in-person classes. Um, I work a lot with refugees and I work with a lot of like different homeless organizations that helping the parents and the kids prevent sexual abuse and understand pornography. And I have an online course that helps parents. And I use, like I said, everything goes back to nature. 
And right now I am kind of knee deep in creating a curriculum just for kids. That's cool. So that like an online curriculum just for them with the... Yeah, I don't, I mean, I don't know yet. My vision is I'd really love everything to be uh, in person, but I don't know how our world is going to end up being. But I've realized that parents are either on either side of this. They don't, there's just like, it's not going to happen in our family. It's just not going to happen. Like there's this total denial. And then also they just don't want to do it. And it's hard. It's like, it's hard work. It's hard. And it's so much better um, for the kids and for the parents when it comes from somebody else. Yeah. It's kind of like that Dave Ramsey, you know, there's a few things you can't talk to your parents about and that's, you know, one of them is sex. The funny thing is, so my son, my oldest son's about to get married. My husband and I are joking around just doing sexual innuendos with each other. And he's like, Oh, that's gross. I don't even want to know about that. And I'm like, well, I'm getting that way with you. So, (laughs) you know what I mean? Like there's like this weird thing, like, you know, as a parent, you're supposed to teach your kids about it, but at the same time, they don't want to hear from you. And then you don't, it's weird talking to your kids about like, you know, their sex life. (laughs) You know, Oh yeah, yeah, exactly. You want it to be healthy for them, but you don't, you know, you know, you don't know how to talk about that kind of stuff. So so. I want to say something that this is, this is a really important thing for parents to understand when they're talking to kids about sex. Nobody wants to know about you, about their parents' sex life. So so that's why everybody goes, well, you know, my, no, no, it's not about you. It's like, it's always, there have been, people can, I have heard, never, nobody ever. Don't make like, it personal. Like the That's beginning of time has ever wanted to hear about their parents' sexual escapades. Okay. <laughs> I have talked to my kids a lot about sexual abuse and, you know, just like that I experienced that and, and that kind of thing. Do you think that's okay to talk to them about? Because I want them to know like why I take this so seriously because it can, it can really ruin your life for the rest, you know, for the rest of your life, you can have problems because of abuse that might happen. So that's why I mentioned that. Yeah. I would say it's, uh, that one is definitely has to be an age. I would from my, yeah, I mean, I have teens. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) A lot of times, uh, parents divulge too much too quick and, Um, especially like in the first seven years that kind of really, it's like a spiritual umbilical cord hasn't really been cut yet. And the kids take on the trauma. Yeah. Okay. Um, that's the, that can be a tricky one. And it shows up a lot in different therapies where kids have, they're mimicking, um, the stories of abuse and they've taken it on as if it's happened to them. Yeah, I would say never describe anything in graphic detail too, right? Like Right, yeah, just- yeah. I mean, you know, it's when kids when kids get older, I think there is, you know, yeah, exactly like anything under the age of 7. No, I would I mean, I would definitely wait until like the teens mm-hmm. or, you know, um And most of the time I've brought it up in in response to something that's going on. Well, I want you to know why I'm like right, right, right. so freaked out about this because I've experienced this myself, you know, and I don't want yeah, you to. It helps, it helps explain that this isn't, um, you know, like just paranoia. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And like compassion for you as a human. Yeah. Like this is a trigger for me and people have triggers because things happen. And also I don't want it to happen to you. Yeah. Yeah. 
Exactly. Well, that's great. I'd love to hear about like the feedback with your message and your podcast. You said you're, you're on more. And before we start recording, you said oh, people are really defensive about their porn and, you know, oh, yeah. I and no we don't idea. want to talk about disparagingly against, you know, LGBTQ or any of that kind of stuff either. But what's your feedback about what's going well, on? Well, you know, it's, again, it goes back to people having an inability to understand that I'm talking about children everything always gets lumped together with like me. Like when I, when I say that, you know, I'm, I'm really not a fan of kids being put on medication to transition, you know, our brains aren't fully developed till we're 25 anyway. So like, let's just hold on. And also transforming kids into, they say that, you know, gender is a social construct and then giving them drugs to fit within that social construct. It doesn't, it doesn't, it doesn't make sense. Yeah. Yeah. But again, if you're, if you're a parent, I mean, I also believe in parents having the right to do what they believe is best for their kids. So there's that. But um, there are a lot of sex educators who are porn positive for kids watching pornography because I think it's a healthy way for them to explore their sexuality um, without the risk of pregnancy or STDs. I had no idea going into this. I was like, wow, I don't either. (laughs) I didn't either. I I didn't think I was going to get any pushback, but people are very committed to porn. That's interesting. Yeah. I had no idea. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, wait, wait, wait. Let me put on my like thick skin because I totally wasn't prepared to battle on this one. But like, yeah, kids should not watch porn ever. No. And all to the day I die, like I'll, I'll fight (laughs) that one. (laughs) Yeah. Well, and for many reasons, I mean, I think we've already pointed out, but it just helps them, like you were saying at the very beginning, like predators don't have to sexually, uh, what is it, groom their their victims anymore. They're already, they're coming that way because of porn. So Yeah. And you know, a lot of the, I think it, I can't remember what porn company it was, but they were filming and they're like, yeah, the girls come porn ready for us. We used to have wow. to train them, but now they know exactly what to do. Wow. That is crazy. Yeah. So that's a, but um, yeah, I get a lot of pushback. A lot of people think I'm like anti-trans homophobic, you know, all that kinds of stuff. And I'm just like, it's not, I'm wildly supportive um, of adults coming into whoever they want to be. I, I, I mean, I'm, I'm not, I'm not just saying that like, Oh, do whatever you want. Like, no, I'm supporting these people to have health rights and and adopt children and all of all of that. But my jam, my whole jam is making sure that kids are not pushed into anything, which also includes the Christian community, you know, trying to transform their gay kids into being straight. That doesn't work either. Nobody wins. Yeah. Nobody wins on that. Backfires all the time. Big, big time. So. Like you're gonna lose your family. You know, it's it's so heartbreaking and sad for me to see families destroyed over, over such, such an issue when we were told to love. Yeah. I mean, that's the bread of the gospel, right? (laughs) Yeah. We're told, the thing is we were told to love, but we were not told to interject our own personal sexual escapades into the sex education. And that's, maybe that's what people are doing. They're, they're making it all about them and not about, you know, the person who's, who we're trying to educate, you know what I mean? The young person that hasn't had any experiences. Well, I, I, there was a group recently that um, they do, 
I guess it wasn't really like last year, but they were, um, they had like an outdoor school and I was like, I'd really love, my vision would be to teach like a, a sex abuse prevention, you know, kind of in the outdoor environment. Cause that's where all my stuff is. It's just observing natural laws of nature and being able to apply this to help our kids. And, um, it ended up that she was like, you know, I, I really don't feel comfortable with you talking against pornography. And she said, I've just gotten to the point where I'm really exploring pornography myself and it's taken me a while to get here. And I'm like, I, you know, that, I mean, at that point, like conversations over, like if you're not going to allow me to talk against pornography and why kids shouldn't see it, then I, we, but she was, gonna, a, she was an adult, right? But Exactly. So, but okay. Like that's what we're saying. Like she's projecting her own thing onto yes. what kids. Ugh. Okay. So I mean, const- that is a constant, constant conversation where people um, I'm, you know, sadly or positively or whatever have worked through a lot of personal shame. Um, you know, like hers was shame around pornography and she's finally working through that so she can be able to watch pornography. It is whatever it is, but like, what does that have to do with children? Yeah. That is your current sexual escapade. Yeah. Not, not kids. It's like, but wait, we're going to teach kids not to drink, um, like about, drinking responsibly but i really like to day drink and have margaritas so i don't think that that we should do that like what are you talking like okay kids shouldn't kids shouldn't do drugs yeah but you know i really and enjoyed the pain medicine that i got for my knee you know and i like to smoke weed and what no we're talking about kids yeah it's they are completely physically and mentally different human beings than us so you're saying, uh, um, just to kind of reiterate that that authentic sexuality, we, I mean, you would even suggest to your child to kind of wait until they're an adult, maybe so that they're, you know, they can make the decision for themselves versus like, you know, there's a lot of parents that will go get their kids, uh, you know, their high school or whatever, uh, birth control or whatever. I mean, mm. is there a time you think that what to have the conversation about no i mean like that authentic sexuality you're saying like with kids we i mean once they're an adult i mean as a parent you would encourage your child to wait to have any sexual maybe interaction with somebody until they're an adult does that make sense like well like there are people that are teens like in high school and they're having their parent is going and getting them birth control so they can go to you know have sex with their boyfriend on prom night you know type of thing like yeah yeah. Okay. So this is, a, yeah, this is a slippery one for sure. Um, so statistically kids in America and around the world have sex around, it's like, it's around like the 15, 16, 17 or everywhere in the world. That's hmm. normally when p- kids have their first sexual interaction. So like giving kids birth control, I have, I don't really have any views on it because that is such a personal, um, potentially life-saving action, um, maybe sexually encouraging action. You know, <laughs> um, there's like two different ways to look at it. But um, I personally believe that. <laughs> um, I was going to say something else, but I'm like that's going to come back and bite me. But like, I like I have the fear of God in me about STDs. I like, I don't know what happened in sex ed or that's different from, you know, generations that are coming up, 
you know, I have kids of different, they're not even kids, like they're millennials or whatever that have absolutely no fear of STDs. I don't know what was said to me, but it has served me really, really, really well. <laughs> we must um, be the same generation because that's that was always the scare yeah, for me. Well, and we grew up in AIDS, right? Like we grew up when AIDS was going on. We had no idea why. So I think that's rooted in us, right? Like we knew it was sexually transmitted, but we had no idea like anyway. So I think it, it, that's an extra fear that we have that maybe um, the millennial might not, right? Oh, yeah, yeah. And I... I think it's one of the things that served me really well. Like I've never accidentally gotten pregnant, you know, like it's, I am crazy about it. And I'm always shocked when I meet people who are like, Oh, like condom, no condom. I don't know. I'm like, Oh my God. But but that's, that's the side of the sex, the, uh, um, the birth control that I have a hard time with is the, there's this false safety against STDs. Like, yes, you'll, you'll prevent pregnancy, but that is like, that's one part of this whole picture here. Yeah. There's there's stuff that you never, never, there's, you don't ever get over some of that stuff. Well, and then with my boys too, I've always even pushed a step further. Like once you have, it's consensual sex with a, a woman, then she can choose what to do with your your offspring, you know what I mean? Like you, you basically lose all rights. So you got to be really sure that this is somebody that you can trust for one. And then somebody that you, you know, really love because then they're, they're either on the hook for the rest of their life for maybe a child, you know, they weren't planning on that necessarily, or they, you know, maybe not want their, uh, whoever they've had this interaction with to have an abortion, but they lose all rights once the act's been done, right? I mean, yeah, that's how yeah. I feel about it with my sons. Well, you know, it's everybody, you know, like marriage is this lifetime commitment, supposedly, whatever. I have a husband and, we, you know, like was my best friend. We were married and we traveled the world together. And then um, we got a divorce because we just had different views. He was a like hardcore atheist. God bless him. Um, like not in like he needs to be, <laughs> but like we were not a good match in that. Not regard. compatible. <laughs> yeah, brilliant human being though. And I have never seen him. We don't like, he is not in my life ever. But if you have a child with somebody. Mm, yeah. Till the day you, you die, die. That, that person <laughs> is not going away. Yeah. And um, I didn't fully understand that until I married somebody who was who had a previous marriage. And I'm like, oh, the ex-wife is never going away. Yeah. Never. I mean, and even after your children are grown, you're going to constantly mm-hmm. see that person at, you know, anything your child and their spouse does, <laughs> you know, type of thing. Yep. So, Yeah. Well, and that, I think we've, we came full circle to that healthy marriage, you know, type of thing. Like, exactly. do you, I mean, even though you talk specifically about children on your podcast, do you ever talk about like how to, I, I think that's a very important component, right? To making sure your children are safe is to have that healthy marriage. Do you ever talk about stuff like that on your podcast? You know, I mean, probably about as much as I did here. I'm, you know, I've been divorced, so I don't know how much clout I have to talk about that, you know? Um, yeah. And I always feel like as soon as I do start talking about how you should, I mean, be a better parent or anything, like I'm putting a nail in my coffin. Yeah. <laughs> like I get Rachel, it. Rachel Hollis is, you know, her and her husband are separating right now and they had like a big, like, 
positive marriage podcast and stuff like that. And I'm like, I just feel like you kind of like got to be careful. Yeah, (laughs) that's very true. Yeah, that is very um, true. Yeah. I, yeah, I don't really talk about that much except for uh, the statistics of the, the kids being sexually abused in divorced families. Yeah. Okay. Well, that's interesting. Well, we've talked so long, but I'd love to hear like maybe what you've learned from mentoring other people and how that makes your life feel more authentic to its, you know, its life mission. I mean, obviously I think in a way you are meant to be friends with a, a person that's sexually abused because, you know, when we talk about missions, we talk about the highs and lows of everybody's life. And sometimes it comes from lows, you know, of what our mission really is by that. Um, I, how do you feel like that mentoring other people is really authentic to that mission? That makes well, this hard question. <laughs> well, no, it's, it's totally applicable because you can sit and read and, you know, think that you know everything. But at the end of the day, like I was talking about the statistics, it changes you know, every six months we have new issues and like what the kids are dealing with from day to day is different all. I mean, if, even if you like talking about like what we're going through in 2020 right now, yeah, you know, these experiences and what parents are dealing with now and like how to talk to their kids and like even the sexual abuse and all that kind of stuff and what they're seeing online is a hundred percent different than it was in 2019. Yeah. So People coming and doing like the coaching and the one-on-one stuff is just my barometer and being able to see patterns. You know, I, I, I don't really do like the clinical research. I don't, you know, it's not really research, but at the same time I have one-on-one accounts. And if I continuously start seeing and hearing the same things over and over and over again, then I know personally that we have a trend going on. Um, so that helps me adapt on what we're supposed to be talking about or what we were doing, but it isn't working anymore, that kind of stuff. Well, and I do love the idea, you know, I just did a podcast with uh, Gabe Howard, who, you know, he's not necessarily a, a licensed psychotherapist or in mental health, but he's experienced that kind of stuff. And I think there is a lot of stock in the person who sees the, you know, is more of the, the person like you that's just concerned about the well-being of our kids or, or even the sexualization of them and stuff uh, versus somebody who has a psychotherapy thing. Cause I almost think that that's where the craziness is going. It's like all these people who are highly educated who, you know, Oh, well I've read so-and-so that this uh, watching porn is actually good for children, you know, it helps them explore their, you know what I mean? Like over intellectualizing it. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So that's why I like like the lay conversations with people because I think it's, you're seeing something that maybe that, um, you know, licensed therapist wouldn't. <laughs> yeah. And it's, and it's also like, I, I'm not trying to write a medical paper to get into university, you know, publications or, you know, I don't have a, a career motive except for to stop what's going on. And I don't have any attachment to, we have to do this because of biblical reasons and I don't have an affiliation with Planned Parenthood or the LGBT community. It is just to stop sexual abuse full stop. Yeah. Like I don't have any other agenda. (laughs) I mean, if, if our world turned, everything was uh, absolutely 100% consensual in all aspects of everything. Can you imagine how much healthier we would all be? I mean, like, like I said, I mean, I'm carrying trauma from years ago and I know, you know, many other people and it all came down to the fact that like 
and that's what I've gone over in my mind. Like that's where it was bad is that I was never asked as a child. You know what I mean? Like it was just forced upon me. And so like if we can move all of our world into consensual on everything at the appropriate age, just how much healthier (laughs) we would all be, you know. Well, let's just kind of wrap it up then. Tell us uh, your long-term goals and what legacy you hope to leave and where your podcast is going, all of that. Yeah. So my, uh, my vision, what I'm working on now, I'm moving into New Orleans. Um, so I'm super excited about getting my program kind of integrated into some of the stuff that they have going on there in person, which is going to be great. And uh, again, my my uh, abuse prevention course for kids. I'm excited about that and a little scared because I've never, you know, created anything specifically for kids. So this was, this is going to be fun and challenging. I have a degree in fine art and design. So um, <laughs> that, that part is, that's going to help. Yeah. 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 And as far as my legacy goes, oh my gosh, I just, I'm just so, if I, you know, everybody's like, oh, if I can help one person, I don't like, I'm not buying into that. Like I want to help everybody. (laughs) (laughs) Um, You know, I really, really want to create serious awareness around this Um, and what form that comes in. We'll have to see, you know, is it the podcast? You know, maybe, maybe not. I don't know. But yeah, I want to be known as a person that like fought to the end. Kids. Yeah. That's awesome. Well, I'm right there with you. Do you have any final parting words for our listeners? And then give us your contact information, how we can find out more about you. Oh, gosh. Final words. Um, I just want to say that, you know, we talked about a ton of heavy stuff and it's all super scary and crazy. But I also want you to know that, you know, if your kid, if and when your kid sees pornography or has anything happen, like, just don't freak out. Yeah, that's the worst reaction. (laughs) Yeah, don't freak out. There's so many ways to deal with it. Yeah, that's a whole other conversation about exactly how to deal with it. But just know your kid's not going to like run away to the sex circus and everybody's going to be okay. And the fact that you're like, you're listening to this and you're aware means that they're going to be 100% okay. The the, the people that don't care. Very calming. Thank you. (laughs) The fact that you care is like, the catalyst for all of it there. I mean, the kids are going to be fine. Do we need to address stuff? Yes. Are, are you going to make mistakes? Are all of us. I do. You know, it's, it's just, a, it's a work in progress. Um, and the kids are going to be fine. That's great. That's my message. <laughs> <laughs> and then give us your contact information. Where can we find, get your free course and all of that kind of stuff? Yeah. So, Best place is just uh, Google how to raise a maverick or how to raise a maverick.com. And that's pretty much the hub of everything. Um, And then I'm on Facebook and Instagram and all that. Just Google how to raise a maverick. That's awesome. Well, again, we've been chatting with Emily Godreau. You can find out more about her and the ideas that we've discussed today. Super heavy, but very important at howtoraisemaverick.com. She's also on Instagram and Facebook, but we're going to be sure to connect with her on our show notes page. So please be sure to check that out. But thank you so much, Emily, for connecting with the Luminous Mind and teaching us about sex ed as well as, you know, pornography. It's been such an enlightening conversation. I hope we can connect again. Yes. And you know what? I do have one more thing. If anybody has any questions, 
it is so useful to me. It's actually like a, like a public service to be like, Hey, I have a question about this to send it to me. You can go through the website or Emily at how to raise a maverick.com because that is like we were talking about before. It's so useful for me to hear from parents that are really on the front lines with their kids and everybody's got the same questions. So it's so helpful for everybody when people ask. Yeah, it just helps to expand like, okay, well, let's research this and understand how that works. And okay, that's awesome. All right. Well, thank you so much. I appreciate it. Yeah. Thanks for having me on. Thank you for listening to The Luminous Mind. Music featured in this episode from Scott Holmes. To learn more about our podcast, check us out at theluminousmind.net.